But I want to I wanna spend some time over the next couple of weeks talking about God, this we believe. And I want to tell you right now that what I want to share with you tonight is that God does want to talk with you. What I want to share with you this morning, not this night, this morning. God wants to talk to you. He really does. And I've been thinking about this for a while, the idea that God wants to talk to you, okay? Because as we talk about what we believe, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth, and I believe that in that, God created us, and He created us for His pleasure and for relationship because He wants to love us because God is love. That's what the scripture says. God is love. I believe that God disciplines us. As I, in my relationship with God, I believe that sometimes he has to smack my little behind um, because the scripture says, whom the Lord loves, the Lord disciplines. The idea that God never disciplines, make, disciplines me makes me nervous. I should stop and say, wow, I know I don't always do everything right. And so every once in a while, he's got to like catch me up a little bit and that's okay. But it's not an act of anger. Because the scripture says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And so while we were still sinners, Paul told the church in Rome, Christ came down here and died for us. So he's in love with us and he's trying to correct our behavior so that we can enjoy the life that he has for us. I believe that God restores us. I believe that we come to God broken and hurting and God says, listen, I have got a life for you that you haven't even dreamed of yet. Please, please, please come follow me. And I believe that God calls us. I believe that God is down here chasing after people that want to be found. I believe that God is, is looking for people that are hungry, that are saying there's got to be more uh, to life than this. I believe that God is longing for people that are saying, please show me some hope. Please show me some hope. And I, I believe that God wants to do that. I don't believe that God just calls us to be pastors and so we're called or calls us to be missionaries, so we're called. I believe that God is calling to you. I believe that he calls to you and calls to you and calls to you and he sends you to your workplace, sends you to your school, sends you into your family. I believe God is calling to you and saying, hey, I want to talk to you. I want to visit with you. I want to, I want to do the same way he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. I believe he comes into our day and he says, Joe, 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 slow down. Where are you? Joe, I want to talk with you. I want to spend some time with you. But more than anything else, I believe that God wants to talk with us. I believe that he calls us, but I believe that he wants to talk with us. Wouldn't it be kind of crazy to have a God that loves us so much that he would send his son down here to die for us and, and then to find out that he doesn't want to talk to us? He's not interested in having time with us. He's not interested in saying anything unless it's already in print. And so I want to share with you from the scripture in the book of John, very, very powerful scripture, um, in the book of John chapter 1. It will appear right here behind you, but this is what the scripture says in the book of John in chapter 1, beginning at verse 1 and reading through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And that's a capital W, so we're talking about Jesus. In the beginning it was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. See what it says there? He was with God, and He was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There was a man... He came, excuse me, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, Jesus. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. 
He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh. God took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. And that's where we are. And we're looking at this. And that is such a, 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 a scripture that is so pregnant with, with, with theology and understanding and things that we need to know. So, so when we read those 18 verses, it immediately opens up the fact that God loves us and wanted to come down here to walk with us. So if you ever thought that God hates you or he's mad at you or he's disgusted with you or he's fed up with you or um, uh, he doesn't want anything to do with you, I need you to understand you're wrong because God loved us so much that he took on our flesh and came down here. And as he came down here, we see all of the theology begin to unfold as we talk about the Trinity. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through Him, through Jesus, all things were made, and without Him, nothing was made that has been made. And so we see this concept of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and all of them being God are still one. They're not just one in an agreement that this is how we're going to do stuff. And there's a place there where we recognize the Trinity, and I believe in the Trinity who is God, even when He says, we in the book of, um, of Genesis. And I could, I could explore this and say, well, it's kind of like ice and water and, and uh, um, steam. And, or I could say it's kind of like having three fingers. And, and if, I put them, if I put them like this, you can't see my hand until you realize that, hey, they're all attached down here, but they're different up here. I, I mean, we can do all kinds of things, but, but that means that I can explain God to you. And God is too big for that. What I can tell you is that there's something that the church used to believe in called the mystery of the Trinity. I cannot explain God any more than God reveals to us in his word. But Jesus said he was God and he was with God and that he came down here and he put on my form. He became a human being. And so when I look at this scripture in the book of John, I see that he is, uh, he is God. I see that he is all powerful. Everything was made through him and without him nothing was made. I see that he was rejected by the very world that you and I live in that says, well, if there is a God, why doesn't he come? And it's like, why doesn't he just do what I say? And, and when things go crash, everybody cries out to this God that during their life when things are good, they reject and say, I'm not even sure I believe that there is a God. And yet if we were to chase after him and, 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 and seek him, and we would realize that if we seek him in, with all of our heart, that he would be found by us. We see in this scripture that he's adopting us back into the family He's seeking those who long to be found, and, and he is supplanting the Mosaic law. 
He's, it's, he's done away with it. Paul writes to the church in Rome and he says, listen, the law was given to you as a taskmaster to teach you that you're sinners. Once you realize you're sinners, it's done its job. It's done. Now, I'm giving you a new covenant. And this cu cup is the covenant in my blood. And this cup makes you children of God as Gentiles. And we recognize that John is writing to Gentiles, to you and me. And what he's trying to say is God is bringing you back into the family. And by bringing back into the family, he is making you children. By making you children, he is making you joint heirs. You have a future. You have a home. You have a father who loves you. So often we find people that don't understand the concept of father because we were raised with, with not good concepts. And I've had to come to understand what that word means and, and recognize that God is doing things. In, in light of everything that's going on, we recognize that he came down here to enter our lives because God wants a relationship with us. Years ago, um, I was at a uh, at a conference for pastors, and there was a man, uh, Brian McLaren, and if you've ever read a book by Brian McLaren, you get, a, like, you get past the introduction of the table of contents, and you just chuck that sucker into the fire and say, well, you know, we can at least start a fire, because he's so deep, and he's so heady, and you have to read the first sentence so many times to understand what he's saying. Well, Brian McLaren was talking, and he was trying to explain to us, Emmanuel, God with us, and he came down here, and he was going on and on for 45 minutes. 45 minutes into it, he said, it's like Jane Goodall. If you know who Jane Goodall is, Jane Goodall was a woman that was trying to understand how to interact with chimpanzees. And he said, in order to act, interact with the chimpanzees, she went and she lived in the jungle with the chimpanzees until the chimpanzees accepted her as one of them own, their own. And the man in the back, pastor, jumped up and said, why didn't you say that 45 minutes ago? <laughs> You're trying to tell me God came down here like Jane Goodall with the, with the chimpanzees. There's 45 minutes of theology we can set aside now because he made it that simple for us. And that really is what was going on. At the end of the day, God wants to talk to us. One of the questions that I'm often asked in my relationship with God and as the pastor of this church, people will come in and say, how does God speak to me? Or how do I know God is speaking to me? And I'm telling you this morning, I have cried out and cried out and cried out. I want God to speak to you this morning. I was a new Christian back in 1979. I was a fairly new Christian. Two years into it, I had a job. I was working. It just happened to be one of those times I was reading through the book of Moses. I mean, excuse me, uh, the book of Genesis. And it was, you know, reading about Moses and Exodus and all of that from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and into Deuteronomy. And I'm reading, I was in Exodus, excuse me, reading about Moses. And, and Moses is a murderer. Oh, he was a wonderful little child. He was no ordinary child. He was put in a basket and sent down the river, and that's all good. And he got raised in Pharaoh's house. But let's just let's admit it, about 40 years of age, he's out there trying to protect people, and Moses murders somebody. Not only does he murder somebody, but then he digs a hole and tries to bury him in the hole to hide him. And then when he realizes that somebody else has found out, he runs away. And I remember thinking, God, in the whole story of Moses, you actually talked to Moses, and I want you to talk to me. Would you please talk to me? And I remember saying to God, look, I didn't murder anybody. I didn't bury anybody in the ground, Lord. So talk to me. And I was at work, and I was having my quiet time during lunch, as, as I often did. And I can remember I was in the back praying so nobody could hear me because I like to pray out loud. It's very distracting and disturbing to my wife, but I do. And so I was praying out loud. And then all of a sudden, for no reason whatsoever, a 10-inch box that was on the shelf like this, not like this, but on, slid out and fell on the ground. And it fell on the ground right when I was saying, Lord, why don't you talk to me? And then, 
bam, this thing hit the floor and it said, Lord, don't talk to me. I'm going to, well, I'll die if you talk to me. Don't say anything. And I became aware that if God talked to me, I would fall over dead. If I was all alone at work and God said, Joe, I would just have a heart attack and die right there on the spot, you know, at 19 years of age and it'd be like, wow, what happened? What would you do if God came into your quiet time and sat down with you and began to talk to you the way he did Abraham, began to talk to you the way he did Moses? When you said, Lord, I just need to talk with you and you were expecting quiet and all of a sudden he said, all right, let's go. Let's do this thing. What do you want to talk about? Well, Mm, yeah, uh, nothing. That's how we do, right? Nothing, nothing. What would you want to take place? What if he spoke and he didn't agree with your theology? What if God came down here and he said, listen, about your theology, you're getting this all wrong and you're getting it really wrong. What if he showed up and he said, hey, listen, you know, that whole love your enemy thing, I actually mean that. So since we're having a talk and I'm doing this out loud thing with you, I want you to do this, this, this. What would God come and talk to you about? Now, don't get the idea that God's going to come down and say, oh, if he came in, he would punish me. He would whoop me. He would thrash me. He would. Don't go there. Okay. The things that God might do, he would do because he loves you. It might hurt a little bit, but he would do it because he loves you. So if God came into your world right now and began to talk to you, what would he talk to you about? What would God want to talk to you about? As we talk about these things this morning, I can't be exhaustive on those two questions. How do I hear from God and how do I know it's God? But I do want to show, share with you some things that I've learned. And I'll try to be timely here. The first thing that I'm going to put up for you is that the, there's danger in hearing from God. And the danger is when you're hearing from God, it comes when you hear, but all you hear is what you want to hear. When I meet people and they're like, Pastor Joe, I'm praying for this new job and I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray. And, you know, um, they never say, hey, I prayed for that new job and God said no. They come back and say, I'm going to keep praying. Now, there is some biblical grounds for that. Jesus said, if there's something you want, it's on your heart. You pray, you pray, you pray, you pray, you pray. You pray until God gives it to you. The danger in that is when you pray and God said, that's not what's best for you. And you say, well, I'm going to keep praying anyway because your son said, do it, Lord. And so God says, fine, here hold this end of the tiger because you just asked for a tiger and now you've got the back end of it but the business end is coming around fast what would happen if God gave us what we asked for oh I never thought about that I just thought it looked good from this end you know but it's got teeth at the other end it might cost me something and I'm not saying don't ask for what you want I'm just saying very few times do I have people come to me and say man I cried out to God for that new job it's gonna pay me 20,000 more and the Lord said no and man I'm good with it I'm so excited I'm gonna to learn to live within my means it's gonna be great we don't do that instead we do like what a four-year-old does right we come to mama and we say mom can I have a cookie mom says no it's almost supper time that's a good answer She's, con she's considering our health. And we say, mom, 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 mom. Finally, she says, take a cookie and go outside. Because you know how moms are, right? 
Just get the cookie and go outside and leave me alone. I'm trying to make dinner. Fine. And we approach God that way. When he says, listen, that's not what's going to be best for you. And then we start in on him. God, 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 God. Till we're laying on the floor kicking and screaming spiritually. And God says, okay. And there's been a couple of times in my life where God said, fine, go ahead and do it your way. And it took me years to get over it, both of them. And it's like, whoa, what about that? And so we have to be aware of that. One of the things that we need to understand is when we want to hear from God, if he speaks to us, one of my Bible um, college instructors said, if he speaks to you and you can say unequivocally, this is what the Lord said, to not do it puts you in moral danger. Moral is eternal. Because for you to say no to the Lord is a very, very, very dangerous thing. I'm not saying there's not forgiveness for us. I'm just saying you can't say no if he's your Lord. And if he's your Lord, you won't say no. But if you know he said do it, you say, I'm not doing it, Lord. What hope is there for us? How does God speak to you? And I, honestly, that's what the women's retreat and the men's retreat is all about. But I want to share these things with you. God speaks to us through his word. You, we can never, ever, ever substitute God's word for experiences or anything else. God wants us in his word. God wants us reading it. He wants us memorizing it. He wants us to get into it. Jesus constantly used scripture from the Old, Test of, uh, Old Testament to identify himself in the scripture. As God, the Son of God, God himself, however you want to do that. The Old Testament, it was written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, and it contains over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled through his life, death, and resurrection. There's over 300 prophecies that Jesus has fulfilled. There's still a couple coming, but there are over 300 that he has already fulfilled, okay? Okay. Mathematically speaking, and our drummer is a mathematician, so I got to do this carefully, make sure I do it right, or he'll correct me, you know, how that works, okay? The odds of anybody fulfilling this amount of prophecy are absolutely staggering, but mathematicians have put it this way. One person fulfilling eight prophecies is a one and one hundred quadrillion, I typed that into Google and just said, how do I say this number? Because I wanted him to be real proud of me like I was smart. <clears throat> that is 100 quadrillion, okay? Eight prophecies. The odds of it happening are one in 100 quadrillion. That's just eight. Jesus is over 300, okay? One person fulfilling 48 prophecies is one chance in 10 to the 157th, um, what's the word I'm, now I've lost, power, that's the word I'm looking for, power. It's one chance in 10 to the 157th power. One person fulfilling 300 prophecies, only Jesus. We're not even going to put a number up there, only Jesus, okay? So we say that to say, when he says he's God, he's God. And since he gave us the word, when we're asking questions about our life, our eternity, relationships, money, jobs, careers, schooling, it's okay. Go to God. 
Just understand that no is an appropriate answer from a God that loves us desperately because he knows our future. And so I want to encourage you in that. To me, in western Oklahoma, I saw God speak through the word in January of 2002. I was out there, and I was reading through the book of Isaiah. And you want to be really careful when you're going to God for an answer, because you don't just want to be lucky dipping, right? You want to be just like, Lord, do I want to go water skiing today on the lake, or do I want to go to work? Do I want to call in sick and go with my buddies, or do I want to go to work? And so you open up your Bible, because you know how you are sometimes, and you're lucky dippers. And so you open it up, and you go right to Matthew 14. You put your finger down, and it says, and he immediately made them get in the boat and go out across the water to the other side. And you're like, Yes! God wants me to go to the lake. He wants me to water ski with my buddies. He doesn't want me to go to work. Okay, that's not how it works. Okay? Otherwise, what happens when you put your finger, it says, straightway he went right out and hung himself. Yikes! Then we'd be in trouble. Okay? So we want to be real careful about that lucky dipping thing. All right? But I was in western Oklahoma, and I was sitting in my office. I'd been there for uh, eight and a half years, and I was reading through the book of Isaiah, and I was still staying in the book of Isaiah. And it's important that the Word of God is important to you. It's important that you read the Word of God for what it says. And I happened to be in Isaiah 49, verse 6, and I was reading it. Now, I'm just going to give you a little heads up. I was whining, and I will confess to you, hi, my name is Joe, and I'm a whiner at times. Okay, I am. I'm a whiner. It's like, God, why can't I come home now? God, why can't I go jump off the cliff with the wingsuit thing? God, why can't I do this? Okay, and I'm always whining to God. Come on, Lord, I've been talking to these people for years and years and years, and I don't think they're getting it. And I'm so frustrated, Lord. And I imagine he's frustrated with me. Don't get me wrong. Okay, and so I came to Isaiah 49, and I'm reading. And this is what I'm reading. He says, Is it too small of a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I've kept? I will also make you a light to the Gentiles that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Now, I don't know if you caught it or not, but I read that wrong. See, when you're whining and you're in the Word of God, you project what the answer is into the Scripture. That's what you do. That's why I say don't lucky dip. Don't do it. But I read that scripture because I'm whining and I'm thinking that God's like, I'm going to spank your bottom, Joe, because I heard God say, listen, I let you pastor that church. Isn't that enough for you? And I heard the Holy Spirit say to my heart, he said, Joe, I need you to read that again. And I said, okay, isn't it enough for you? Is it too small a thing for you to be the pastor of this church? That's the way I was reading that. Is it too small a thing for you? To be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob? I was like, no, Lord, I'm sorry. And then I start down through all the things. Lord, you've given me a home, given me a wife. You've given me five beautiful children. I get to ride my horse a lot and go gather cattle. I love western Oklahoma. My trailer matches my pickup truck, so I look a little creepy as a cowboy, but still, it's kind of cool. You know, because real cowboys, their truck don't match their trailer. It really doesn't. Um, And so it was like I started going through all the things I'm thankful for. And God said, Joe, read it again and stop projecting into it. And so I read it. And it doesn't say, isn't it, is it too small of a thing? It says, it is too small of a thing. That's different. 
If God says, isn't it enough? Is it too small of a thing? Then I know I'm whining and God is saying, come on, I let you pastor this church. But if I stop and I say, it is too small of a thing for you to be here. I'm going to make you a light to the Gentiles. Then suddenly, and I'm writing in my journal because I was journaling back then. The Lord said it's time to leave Western Oklahoma. See, it's two. One is stop your whining, Pastor Joe. And the other is come and follow me. We're going on a new adventure. And it's like, wow. When you're in the Word of God, you've got to read the Word of God for what it says, and you've got to read it carefully. And don't lucky dip. Don't head that way. God made it clear I was moving. And when you know what God has said, there's no room for disobedience at all. I'm going to tell you, as a church, God did the same thing for me when we came to this mall. And I said, Lord, what do we want to do? And the Lord said, I want you in pennies. And I said, how will I know this? And that time I happened to be reading through Moses again. I was in the book of Exodus. And the Lord said to Moses, who am I? And Moses said to God, excuse me, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And that time I wasn't complaining. I was actually celebrating with God. And I said, God, who am I that you let me be the pastor of the vineyard? I am having the time of my life. I love being with these people. And the scripture goes on. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And God was pointing at pennies to me. And so we came into the mall and we began to dream dreams. And God began to speak and I began to buy into it. It's been eight years or seven years since then. And, and I'm still just waiting on God and what God is going to do. But I know that when God says, hey, go do that. I'm very thankful for the board of this church. Um, one of the board members said to me at one point, they said, Joe, the only thing that concerns me about your belief that we're going to Penny is what if it never happens? What's going to happen to you emotionally and what's going to happen to you spiritually? And I said, you know what? I'm going to keep preaching that that's where we're supposed to be going. And if I die and I don't get to see it, that's okay. But I can't preach any other way. I, I know for us as a church. Now, I'm not talking about you as an individual. I'm just saying for us as a church, that's where we're supposed to be. And God said through, through Exodus, and he told me, when you're over there preaching in pennies, you'll be reminded that you didn't do it. I did it. Because God gets the glory because God is going ahead of us in this thing. So I'm just sharing that to say this with you. God speaks through Scripture. If you've got a question for God, open up your Bible, get into the Word, in, an, in a manner of integrity and begin to ask God. The other thing is God speaks through his people. He speaks to me through some of you. You have dreams and visions, and we'll talk about dreams in a second, but God reveals things to you, and then you come and say, Pastor Joe, I feel like the Lord is saying this. I had this dream and whatever, but, but you, you bring the revelation of God to me, and you say, this is what I see God doing, and it's an absolutely wonderful thing. And I love how God does that. Now, God did that to King David when he had that whole Bathsheba thing, and he thought that nobody knew what he had done other than the servants of the palace, and he thought he'd gotten away with murder, with with sinning against God, sinning against Uriah, sinning against Uriah's family, sinning against Uriah's wife, sinning against Bathsheba. You know, he thought he'd gotten away with that. And he was miserable about it. And one day, knock, 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 came on the door. Nathan the prophet shows up. And he says to David, hey, we've got a problem in the kingdom. And, and David says, what is it? I'm a big problem solver. And he says, we've got this guy that's got this little sheep. And we've got this other man that's got a hundred million sheep. And this man that has all the sheep um, went and stole the sheep from this single man because he's got some guests coming. And he killed 
killed that little sheep to feed his guests rather than killing one of his own sheep. And then this is where we find ourselves with Nathan standing in front of David. And, and David says, um, well, then we're going to kill him. Bring him in here. He needs to be brought to justice. And Nathan says, David, you're the man. See, David thought he was getting away with something. And we don't realize that sometimes God tells people things to tell us. We forget that when we worship a spiritual God, spiritual things happen. And that's what happened in David's life. And he came to understand it when Nathan said, David, you're the man. And he wasn't saying it in a good way, like, you're the man, David. He was saying, like, you're the man. You're going down for this. This is what the Lord says. The God of Israel says, Nathan went on, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your father's house to you, your master's wives. I need page five. Thank you, Lord. It goes on to say, I gave your, your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all of Israel and Judah. And if, and if all of this had been too little for you, look what God says to David. I would have given you even more. Palaces, gold, position, responsibility. David, I love you so much. I would have given you more. But you chose to dance with the devil, David. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his sight? Sometimes God just reveals it straight up to somebody that walks into your life and says, hey, I don't know if this is going to make any sense, but I need to say this. I was preaching one time in northern Indiana, and this married couple brought this young lady up. She's probably about 24, 25 years old. I don't know. And they just said, hey, she's weeping uncontrollably. Uncontrollably, will you pray for her? After I'd got done preaching, the Holy Spirit was doing something in the room. It was absolutely amazing. And I said, yes, I will. I asked her, is it okay if I touch her head? And she said, yes, you can. Excuse me, her shoulder. And when I touched her shoulder, the other couple touched her, and I put my other hand on top of her head, and I began to pray for her. And I got through, and all the things like, oh, Jesus, hold her in your arms, and Lord, let her know that you love her. Because, you know, you don't always know what to pray. Um, but I'm praying and asking the Holy Spirit while I'm, while I'm speaking, what do you want me to pray about? And all of a sudden, uh, it, it, was, it was, I don't recommend this at all, but all of a sudden I began to say, Lord, please stop this woman from sleeping around. Please stop this woman from going to bed, to bed, to bed, to bed, from arm to arm to arm, from man to man to man. Please, please shut down her sexual immorality, please. And, and as I'm hearing this, I'm thinking, Lord, please help me recover from this because I am never coming to northern Indiana again. <laughs> and as I'm praying, this woman starts crying uncontrollably. This man over here is speaking in tongues and his wife is over here and when I opened up my eyes she was looking at me like this <laughs> and I thought okay that's the last time I prayed in northern Indiana and both her and her husband said how can you know that how can you know that and she looked up and said how can you know that and I said I want you to know first of all that I was terrified when I heard it coming out of my mouth I really was I said, but as I was praying and asking the Holy Spirit, he literally started running my mouth, and I was scared that I was. And here is this woman that had been abused all of her life and had gone from guy to guy to guy to guy, and one of the reasons they came forward was because she just left the last guy. She's got a couple of kids, and she's trying to find Jesus in the arms of a man instead of in the arms of Jesus. See? Sometimes... God will bring your friends 
to your front door and you need to listen because God speaks through people. What are your friends saying? Now, let me speak to you on behalf of Vineyard Community Church. A couple of weeks ago, a week and a half ago, I was in the Dominican Republic. I was not at Punta Cana on the beach ministering in Jesus' name. That's not what was going on. I was up in the mountains in the district of, of impoverished. People make about $400 a month there um, on average. But it was a good trip. It was wonderful. And I got there. I was supposed to speak four times. And then a pastor heard that I was coming and said, uh, Pastor Popin, he said, could you come preach at my church? And I'm like, yeah, I'm there anyway. Might as well. And so he says, come and preach at my church on um, Thursday night. So Thursday night, I went and preached at his church. He had a good-sized church. Got done preaching. Literally, three-quarters of the congregation came forward and were laying on the floor crying and weeping and speaking in tongues. And I was just like, oh, Lord, I, do not ha- I did not bring my prayer team with me. It's like, man, what am I going to do? I can't even say prayer people come forward because the translator's over there weeping and crying. I did anyway, and he translated it for me. And we just spent the next while just praying. The next day, they took me to dinner at the Grand Himanoa Hotel on the Himanoa River um, in Arabacoa. And I just like saying Arabacoa. It's really cool. Um, the Spanish language is amazing. And I'm just, I'm hungry to learn it. Um, but anyway, we were in Harapakoa on the Himanoa River, and it looked like all, you know, um, um, whatever that movie was. Um, but like, it was, it was gorgeous. And so we're talking. So there's Pastor Popine. Here's his wife, and here's Tony the translator. Um, and Tony the translator was actually Dominican, um, but he spoke really good English, and they spoke just fine English. They really did. They, they were doing a beautiful job. But we were talking, and, and Pastor Popine said, so, Joe, you like our church? I said, yes. He said, our church is 10 years old this year. I said, Pastor Popine, our church is 10 years old this year. He says, okay. And he goes, you like our building? It was a nice building. And, and it's a thing with them, you know, like the building. They, you need to like it, be a little impressed with it. And I'm like, man, your building is awesome. Your building is great. I said, it is perfect for worship. And they're doing ministry because it's, it's in the side of a hill. So the church is on the top and the walkout is three different kind of ministries taking place for the community. And I said, that is awesome. And he says, he says, Joe, what's your church look like? I'm looking at him. His wife's here. Maribel is here. He's there. Tony's here. And I'm looking at him and he says, so what, what's your church look like? And I said, my church is in a mall. And he started laughing uncontrollably. I was going to punch him right in the nose. It's like, it's like, so help me out. I'll grab you by the collar and haul you across this dinner, but not until after you pay for my lunch. Okay. And he's literally, he's really animated. Joe, you should be in pennies. All I said was, my church is in a mall. And he thought it was hysterical and said, your church should be in pennies. Imagine. And then Maribel, who has not said a word, reached over and grabbed my arm and said, Joe, you should go home and buy pennies. And then said, everybody's grabbing hands. We're going to pray God gives penny to Joe for church. Let's pray. They all prayed for you. They all prayed for us. They all prayed for Madison County, for Richmond, Kentucky. They all prayed for that. I don't know 
I'll, no. What I know from Scripture for our church and what I know that I'm supposed to preach is we're going that way. I want to invite you to be praying for our church because I sent a letter into the mall owners last week and we are going to begin a conversation on what it means to extend our lease by give me or in other ways move into pennies at some point. I need to see what it will look like. But at the end of the day, I want you to know that God speaks through his people. And when we were done with lunch, I was done with the Dominican and I hadn't even started preaching yet <laughs> other than sat, uh, Thursday night at his church. See. God took me to the Dominican. Yes, I got to minister to people in the next, the conference ended up being absolutely spiritual and amazing. But God took me to the Dominican because he needed Maribel to tell me that. Not because I needed to tell Maribel and Popine. God speaks through his people. God speaks through dreams and visions. In the Christmas story, we have Joseph being approached by God in a dream, and so he marries Mary. Then we have him be approached by an angel and he ends up going to Egypt. Then he gets approached by an angel and he comes back to Galilee. And it's just absolutely amazing. And we've got to understand that your dreams actually mean something. You should sleep at night with a pen and a paper next to your bed. You should. And I'm not saying one dream will do it, but if you get the same dream over and over and over and over again, you need to consider what's going on. Peter says that we're living in the latter days in Acts chapter 2, and he says in the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all my people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I believe God speaks through dreams and visions. I was going home to Oklahoma from Ohio one time, and I walked into a situation where we were in the adult women in our church beat the living daylights out of somebody at a bar Friday night. This was Saturday um, afternoon, and I was so frustrated because she was in a very well-known family, and it was just like, you have got to be kidding me. What have I been wasting myself for these last five or six years? And, and it was just that clear, three o'clock in the afternoon, I saw a picture very similar to this in my living room. I saw this. I, it just unfolded in my living room. I was just there. I was unhappy. There were more candles. They were taller. It looked very much like what I uh, understand the wedding feast of the Lamb from Revelation 19 to look like. And, and God just spoke to me very, very clearly through that vision. It's one of two visions that I've had. And God said this. He said, Joe, we don't make people eat. We set the table. I called you to set the table that whosoever will may come. But you can't make them eat. He said, any more than I can. So take a deep breath. And so I understood what God was saying, and that was important. The last thing is circumstance. Sometimes God uses circumstances. You're going through things, and that door won't open. You can't get that job. You can't go through that. You can't head that direction. You can't get that education. And you think it's just because things are going bad. And the fact of the matter is, God is trying to say no to you. And I would encourage you to listen to him. <clears throat> Paul wanted to go plant a church in Asia Minor. In Acts chapter 16, Luke records, So the churches were strengthened as they went around and visited them, and the faith, and grew daily in number. And Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia, through Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. 
When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. And then that night, not only do we have circumstances prohibiting them, he ends up having a dream, and uh, a person in Macedonia says, come over here, uh, and he ends up planting a church in Macedonia. God speaks through your circumstances. You know, you can't change the ball, or the direction of a ball that's not moving. You can't. If all I'm going to do is sit right here until God does something, probably nothing's going to happen because I'm not getting anywhere fast. I'm not saying we should not wait on the Lord. What I am saying is sometimes we just throw down with God and we say, well, I'm just going to stay right here. And God says, well, at least take a couple of steps so that I can bump you and get you going in the right direction. And that's all he's trying to do. If you'll just make a decision to go to Europe, he can bend you over so that you end up in North America somewhere. <clears throat> but while you're sitting still doing nothing, he can't very often change the direction you're going. In your personal life, that's incredibly important. In your, our church life, we outgrew our first building within nine months of planting our church. We were already running two services and we didn't have enough room. We had to ask the mall if we could have space, which turned me down once before and they opened their arms. They made the rent reasonable. They made our contract growth friendly. We could rent as much property as we wanted in here for that same rate, and it was great. For us as a church, pennies is that mountain that God was talking about. When we worship in pennies, biggest pulse we ever had was in pennies. It was over 400 people. One Sunday night, one service. Because we just wanted to go over there and stand where God said we're going to be. Pennies is the mountain. Daw hairs. This is daw hairs. This is our journey. This is where we're following the pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. But we need to remember this that vineyard is not this building, and it never will be. Vineyard is this. This is vineyard. This is the church of Jesus Christ. The hands, the feet, the love, the mercy, the compassion. This is the truth. This is the people saying, Here am I, Lord, send me. Some of you just want to go to church. When it comes to hearing from God, you just want to go to church, but that's not what God wants for you. God wants you to become members. God wants you to join a small group. God wants you to choose a place to serve. God wants you to invite people to church. Are you doing that? Some of you want to hear from God, but you don't want to hear what God is saying. Not really. Because what he's saying is, he might say, hey, I need you to repent from that. That wasn't the truth, or that wasn't good. He might be saying, go apologize. He might be saying, go home and work on your marriage, because chucking your marriage is not my answer, and it never will be. He might be saying, stop waiting for God to do something big in your life, and go be something big that God's doing in somebody else's life. Make it about somebody other than you. He might be saying to you, go tell somebody what God is doing in your life and you're like oh I'm not the missionary and I'm just telling you all of us are we're all disciples we're all called to make disciples some some of you are spending time with God but you're not listening to God you're just talking and you don't understand why God's not answering you some a secular person once said that America is at a place right now where we're absolutely afraid of quiet we're afraid of being left alone with our thoughts because of what we might say to ourselves 
And in the church, I would say that we're afraid of quiet because we're afraid of what God might say to us. And I want you to know that James, uh, the brother of Jesus, is right. God is not going to shame you. He's not going to chasten you. He might spank you, but he only wants to correct your life for health and for strength and for the life that he has for you. But that's going to happen when we start listening. It doesn't very often happen while we're talking to God. It's okay for us to sit and meditate. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour. It's okay for us to stare at a little yellow flower and not feel guilty that we're wasting time. But instead, we're thinking about God and what that means and how He cares for that flower and then how must He care for me because He knows that flower and He knows me. God is speaking to your circumstances, to your friends, your promotion, your lack of a job, your prayer time, your finances. What is God saying through all of these things in your lives? Today, I want to encourage you, do you want to hear Him? Do you want to agree with Him? Do you want to follow Him? I want to encourage you that I believe that God wants to say something to you. And for some of you, He may already have. But these people are up here because we want to ask God to answer your question, to bring a revelation. Jesus said He would send the Holy Spirit who would remind us of everything He said and reveal to us the mysteries of heaven, the mysterious things. See? And I believe that God wants to touch your life. I really do. This I believe. I believe that God wants to bring healing to your life. This I do. I don't have the answers for why not, and I don't speculate on hypoth uh, hypothetical situations. But today, if you need to hear from God and your heart is saying, yes, I need a word from God, do me a favor and let us pray for you. And don't be afraid to be quiet with your Bible today in the presence of God. Let's pray. God, who is God in heaven, we thank you and praise you for who you are. We thank you that you are our Father, and you are a Father that wants to spend time with us and talk with us and laugh with us and cry with us, at times challenging us, but at other times instructing and teaching us and leading us. I thank you that all these things are things that I've gotten to learn myself, Lord, in the midst of all my struggles, every time you've paddled my behind, every time you've challenged me and I've had to repent, every time I had to go up the street and knock on a door, every time I've had to say I was wrong, or at least I handled it wrong. God, we need you. We don't need Joe Wood. We don't need Vineyard. We don't need orchestrations. We need you. So I say, come Holy Spirit, please. I don't direct you. You are my God, Holy Spirit. And I invite you to come and reveal to me the things from my Father on the throne through His Son, Jesus. And I release this on these people here, God, because I know you want to speak to them. So I invite you to move them, God, and then meet them. Meet them right in the middle of their heart. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. 